Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Thrive Church, a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. Hey Thrive Church, well very, very Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. Here we are, Christmas Day 2020, we made it. Pastor Candice and I and Caitlin and Caleb and the entire Thrive Church staff team, the board and the elders want to wish each and every one of you the merriest, best, most blessed Christmas ever. At the end of this crazy year, we are trusting and really praying that the presence of Christ, because that's what Christmas is all about, isn't it? That the arrival of Christ in our lives, His presence, would be so real and tangible and personal to each and every one of you. It is such a special day today. We pray that the wonder of Christ's birth would be a reality to you today. Wherever you may be watching, whether you're online today or whether you're in the building for a service, Merry Christmas and may the presence of Jesus be richly with you today. You know, every Christmas, guys, I find myself really in two places. I find myself on the one hand really wanting to and loving the tradition of Christmas. All the celebrations, the festivities, the food, the presents, the gifts, the lights, the Christmas trees. I'm a Christmas guy. Like, I love them. But I also find myself every year really yearning, really yearning to understand in a deeper way what Christmas really means for me, for us. And to really come back to what it all means for us and for our lives and for the world. I, I want the meaning of Christmas to be personal and powerful for me and for you. I, I find myself wanting to bridge the gap between a birth 2,000 years ago, Jesus' birth, and, and my life and our lives today. And what that gap means and what his presence means for our lives. I find myself really wanting to grab a hold of that. That's where I find myself today, this Christmas day. And today I would like to offer three words for us to help us grasp Christmas, to make it personal and powerful, to bridge that gap that's 2,000 years old. Just three words today I want to offer you for Christmas. But here's the thing, each of these words weighs more than the whole of the world. Each word weighs more than the whole world. All the truths of Christmas can be stated and summed up, summarized in just these three words. Here are the three words today. God with us. God with us. Matthew chapter 1 from verse 18. It says that this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and he did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, 
The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. You know, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, uh, he was surrounded by his friends on his dying deathbed. On March 2nd, 1791, he finally completed his race. He went to heaven. But grasping the hands of those who loved him the most and who he loved the most, Wesley declared, best of all, God with us. And as he died with those words on his lips, I propose that we live with it in our hearts. God with us. Now, three ways to read that. God with us. The emphasis first on God. You know, the Greeks and the peoples of the ancient times had no problem believing in a God in human form. Pantheists believed that there was a God in anything and everything. Everything was a God. But not so the Jews. This was the hardest for them to believe in. They believed in one all-powerful, all-knowing creator king of the universe. Jesus' disciples believed in him. Even though they lived with him, they believed that he was God. And they had to wrestle with this Jesus that was both man and God. But when they'd done so, when they'd engaged with his greatness, they accepted that God in all of his glory and greatness was present with them. They eventually, somewhat imperfectly, in part, were able to wrap their minds around the fact that greatness, God, lived with them. God with us. You know, when Albert Einstein, the great scientist, he, when he fled Nazi Germany, he came to America and he bought an old two-story house within walking distance of Princeton University. And there he would entertain some of the most distinguished and important people of his day. And you'd discuss with them these important issues as far-ranging as physics to human rights. But you know, Church Einstein had another frequent visitor. Somebody under the radar. She was not, in the world's eyes, an important person like his other guests. She was a little 10-year-old girl called Emmy. Emmy heard that a very kind man who knew a lot about mathematics had moved into her neighborhood. And since she was having trouble with her fifth grade maths, she decided to visit the kind man down the block and see if he could possibly help her with her maths problems. Well, Einstein was very willing, and he explained everything to her so that she could understand it. He also told her that she was welcome to come anytime she needed help. Well, a few weeks later, one of the neighbors told Emmy's mom that Emmy was often seen entering the house of the world-famous physicist Albert Einstein. Horrified, this mom told her daughter that Albert Einstein was a very important man whose time was incredibly valuable and he couldn't be bothered with the problems of a little schoolgirl and her fifth grade maths. And then she rushed over to Einstein's house and when Einstein answered the door, she started trying to blurt out an apology for her daughter's intrusion. So sorry that my daughter has been such a bother. But you know what, Einstein cut her off and he said, she's not been bothering me. When a child finds such joy in learning, then it is my joy to help her learn. Please, don't stop Emmy from coming to me with school problems. She's welcome in this house, my house, anytime. And that's how it is with God. From its very opening pages all the way to the end of the book, the Bible is the story about how God has pursued us 
with an unchanging and unquenchable and undeserved love. Here's the point of the story. This little girl, Emmy, enjoyed friendship with Einstein despite his greatness, despite who he was. So too can we. We can enjoy friendship with God despite the fact that he's God. That's the invitation for us on Christmas, isn't it? God with us. Those three words can also be emphasized with the with us. God with us. Not only is he God, he is God with us. With us. Dr. Timothy Keller said that in the gift of Christmas, the unassailable, omnipotent God became a baby, giving us the ultimate example of letting our defenses down. Every time God had appeared to man, one thing was in common up until this time. One thing was in common, it was always terrifying. When he appeared to Job, it was in a whirlwind. When he appeared to Abraham, it was a smoking furnace moving through the air. When he appeared to Moses, of course, it was a burning bush. And when he appeared to people of Israel, it was in a pillar of fire. When he appeared in the temple, he filled it with a cloud and the glory of God. Yet now, for the very first time, the arrival, the birth of Jesus, God appears in a form that was not terrifying. Instead, he appears and his form is accessible. It is accessible. Think about this church. He could have come in any way, yet he chose a baby. What's more accessible than a baby? What's more tender or more lovable than a baby? I can remember when our daughter Caitlin was born. I remember taking her into my arms for the first time. Uh, it was an experience that I can't describe. As I held her for the first time, our hearts connected. I understood what it was to love in a way that I'd never experienced before. Because when you hold a baby, you realize that you're holding a living, breathing human being and there's an instant connection. That's the thing. There's an instant connection connection. Why did God come as a baby? Because he knew there would be an instant connection. And nothing said to the world, nothing, nothing said to the world more that I want to be with you than coming in the form of the creature you most want to be with. I mean, everybody wants to hold a baby, right? Nothing says more about the withness, the withness of God, the desire for God to be with us, then God is a newborn baby entering the world in which we live. Just so that he could be with us. I think that's the essence of Christ's coming, is so that he could be with us. There's an old story about a man called Dr. Benjamin Warfield. He was a theology professor at Princeton Seminary. While he was still at the height of his academic powers, his wife got sick. Hectic story. She became an invalid. She, she just couldn't move to anything for herself. And he took care of her for 10 years. During that 10-year period, he never spent more than two hours away from his wife each day. Even though she was handicapped, she still loved to read. And so Dr. Warfield would sit at her bedside day after day after day, and he would read to her. He was always gentle and caring with her. One day, someone asked him, have you ever thought about taking your wife? to an institution, to like a, a home. Then you could write bigger books and have a bigger ministry. 
But Dr. Warfield said, there's no way. My wife is my ministry. I will never leave her side. I'm going to love her and take care of her as long as God grants us life. He was with her. That church, I think, is the withness of God. He's with us. He always has been and he always will be. So it is with him. In sending Jesus to earth, God was saying, you need me with you. I want to be with you. And just look, church, today at the lengths that he went in order to be with us. Jesus literally crawled through eternity to be with us. To be with us. God with us. God with us. God with us. God with us. And of course, the third way to emphasize the statement is that God is with us. He's with us. You know, this word us is a bit of a limited term, isn't it? Because it implies that there are some who are the us, and then there are some that are not the us. So when we say God with us, who is the us? Who are the us? Luke's gospel records two groups of people who were the first to see Jesus. But today, I just want to draw your attention to the first group. You see, because in doing so, in drawing our attention to these groups, Luke was emphasizing, Luke was telling us who the us is. Who is it that saw Jesus and recognized him first for who he was? In other words, who was the us? Well, it was the shepherds. Here's the point, and here's why I raise it today. The shepherds were the first to see Jesus, the first to understand who he was, the first to pay honor and tribute to him. They were simple humble people not the proud not the clever not the arrogant not the high and not the mighty not the i've got it all together not the important high society but simple humble people simple humble people to the simple and the humble in heart to those who were on the fringes those who were not quite in those who might not have had it all together those who were not the important, simple and humble people. I want to be simple and humble in my understanding, in my connection with Jesus. In Max Lucado, you know, the author, in his book called No Wonder They Call Him the Savior, he tells the story of Maria and her daughter Christina. It's a hectic story. You see, Christina, when she longed to leave her poor Brazilian neighborhood, she wanted to see the world. And so she left there. She was discontent living at home, only having only like a, a pallet on the floor, a wash basin and this wood burning stove. She dreamed of a better life in the city. And so one morning she ran away. And when Christina ran away, she broke her mother's heart. Her mom knew what life would be like on the streets for her young, attractive daughter. So Maria, she quickly packed to go and find her daughter. And on her way to the bus stop, she went to the chemist to get one last thing, some pictures. She sat in the photo booth and she closed the curtain and she spent all the money she could on pictures of herself. With her purse, her little purse, full of small black and white photos, she got on the next bus to the city of Rio. And the thing is, Maria knew that Christina, her daughter, had no way of earning money. She also knew that her daughter was too stubborn to give up. So Maria began her search in Rio for her daughter. Bars, hotels, nightclubs, any place with a reputation for street walkers or prostitutes. 
And each place she left her picture, her picture taped on a bathroom mirror, tacked to a hotel bulletin board, or fastened to a corner phone booth anywhere, on the, anywhere she could. And she wrote on the back of each photo a little note. And it wasn't too long before Maria's money and pictures ran out and Maria had to go home. And this tired mom cried as she began the long bus journey back to her small village. Well, guess what? A few weeks later, Christina was coming down the stairs in a rather dodgy hotel. Her young face was tired. Her brown eyes no longer danced with youth, but now they spoke of pain and fear. Her laughter was broken and her dream of the big city had become a nightmare. A thousand times she had longed to trade all these countless beds for her secure little pallet on the floor of their humble home. And yet the village seemed too far away. And so she reached the bottom of the stairs. Her eyes noticed a familiar face. She looked again and there on the lobby mirror was a small picture of her mom. Christina's eyes burned and her throat tightened as she walked across the room and removed the small photo. Written on the back, Maria had written this note. Whatever you have done, whatever you have become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. And so Christina went home. God is the same way with us. The us are the Christinas of the world. We are Christina. Those who have blown it, those who don't have it all together. The us is those to whom the message, whatever you have done, wherever you have gone, whatever you have become, just come home. It's good news and it's an invitation. And that, my friends, is the message of Christmas. God, God himself, with us, with the withness of God, with who? With us, the humble, the simple, those who decide to place their faith in Christ. That is the message of Christmas. Now let's live like that, church. God with us. So church, I think today that's the wonder of Christmas, isn't it? God with us. And that the invitation each Christmas, particularly, is that we are the us. Uh, we are the Christinas. That he came for us. And the message to each one of us today is that no matter what you've done, no matter who you've become, there's always an invitation back to a friendship with God. Today it would be my privilege to invite you into that friendship with God. Just like Maria, he comes looking for his sons and his daughters. And today, as you've been watching this service, either online or in the building, you might have a deep sense that he's been coming looking for you. And as the service has unfolded, you felt that stronger and stronger. And in this moment now, he's inviting you to a friendship with him. Today, it might be the case that you're responding and wanting to respond to God in this way for the first time. Perhaps, though, it might be a case where you've placed yourself in, as Christina in the story. You know that you, you've been away for a bit, but you want to come back. Whatever it is, whether you've, this would be a response to God for the first time today, or whether perhaps it happened sometime in the past, and today, Christmas Day, you want to come back, and you feel like a prodigal son or daughter, it'd be my privilege to lead you in a moment of prayer and of response today. So I'm going to pray. Would you join me in this moment? Father, thank you. 
God, thank you so much that you are our Father, God. Thank you that on Christmas of all days, we can celebrate, remember, and give thanks to you for the fact that Jesus came. He came for us. He came to restore us to friendship with you. Today, we want to accept that invitation. Today, we want to say thank you for it. We want to open our lives to you, Lord Jesus. We want to say to you, we want to follow you. We want to become your follower, your disciple, your apprentice. We want to learn what it's like to be with you and become like you and do what you did. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you into our lives. We ask, Father, for your forgiveness for where we've blown it, gone our own way. And we ask that you would have uh, your will and your way in our lives from this moment on. In Jesus' name. Amen. So if you responded to that today, if you prayed that prayer with me today, and that was the prayer of your heart, we would love to congratulate you. We want to warmly congratulate you, let you know that people all over Thrive Church, both in buildings at our campuses and behind screens online, are cheering for you. We are grateful that you responded today. We want to help you with some next steps and in order to do that, we'd love the opportunity simply to connect with you once digitally. And in order to do that, you could simply WhatsApp the words, follow Jesus to the number below me on the screen right now. One of our team is standing by waiting simply to respond back, to WhatsApp you back and to give you some helpful next steps. The church, as we wrap up this Christmas service, isn't it beautiful? Isn't it incredible that at the end of this year, we can be together both virtually, online and physically that we can be the church together in this moment, celebrate Christmas together. And as we close today, we want to wish you the very best rest of your festive season. May it be blessed. May the reality of God with us truly hit home for each of you. And may your Christmas festivities, Christmas lunches and dinners be awesome. And if you're cooking oxtail, I hope that it's the most amazing you've ever tasted ever. Have an amazing, amazing day, everybody. We hope you have been blessed and helped by this message. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.thrivechurch.co.za.